Welcome to Eden Speaks. Our prayer for this podcast is that this can be a place of openness, grace, honesty, and connection with our sisters in Christ and any brothers out there who are tuning in. While this podcast is in connection to our women's ministry at Living Word in Oak Harbor, Washington, we welcome everyone that is looking for real Christ-centered conversations. Some of these conversations may be hard and emotional, stirring up parts of us that we would prefer to keep hidden and protected. Ephesians 5.13 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Let us be that light to one another. Let's take a step outside of our comfort zone. Let's trust Jesus to show us how to give grace and hope to others, and also put us in a posture to receive it as we engage in a journey of growth. Let's speak the truth of God's word. Let's always speak love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Eden Speaks, a place of hope, encouragement, and grace. I'm Amy. And I'm Shannon. And we are back again for part two of our sex talks. We have Elizabeth Kettlewell again with us. Hey, Elizabeth, thanks for being here. Hello, ladies. We are answering the second half of our questions from our Eden gathering, which took place on February 19th. We had a live Eden gathering where we talked all things sex. Um, shared some really awesome information. These ladies here who are just experts in the topic, <laughs> right? Mm. Um, Elizabeth is a professor at Skagit. She teaches human sexuality amongst other things and also is a licensed therapist. And Amy is a licensed marriage and family therapist who also knows many, many things about sex. And I am a pastor, as you may or may not know. And we are, like I said, continuing this conversation. How are you guys doing? How are you feeling after last week we uh, recorded our first half? Mm-hmm. Are we ready for this half too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Last week was fun and there's some big topics this week. So yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different vibe. But as we mentioned last time, so on our part one, we talked about how we were going to be answering questions that really kind of went right in alignment with um, some of the topics that we talked about on the 19th of February. This time, these topics branched off a bit. And so we wanted to set them aside and do um, a part two. And so that is what we'll be doing today. And I'll go ahead and start us off with our first question. Uh, The first question tonight is, um, how can I help my teen who hears mixed messages about acceptance, non-labeling of sexuality, pansexual, bisexual, etc.? What would be the healthiest in having conversations about it? It's a big topic. That is a big topic. That's that's what I mean by (laughs) big topic. We'll start out out of the gate. Yeah. Right out of the gate. But I do think this is really confusing. And I get what this mom is saying, like, especially for our teens, Mm -hmm. especially for us as parents, meeting our teens where they're at, they Mm -hmm. know, they actually know way more than us. (laughs) They know way more. They know way more than us, especially about this topic. But yeah, you're right in in most situations. Well, I think it's out there in it. I think that they have exposure Mm -hmm. to um, this part of it more. I think where as parents, we step into this, um, or even if you're not a parent as an adult that maybe has a a teen that trusts you Mm -hmm. um, and comes to you with these type of things is, I think we're more, uh, can be more equipped in the emotional like just processing of it. Yeah. Um, they might have more exposure, but we kind of have more life experience and maybe how to work through that and how to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely feel like this is one of those topics that again, it's not a one-time conversation. That's right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a one-time conversation. And this is, uh, I mean, in my human sexuality class, we spend two or three weeks talking about gender uh, and orientation as it is seen through the lens of our culture. And so this is a topic that I spend a lot of time talking to young adults about. Mm-hmm. And there's so many questions. Um, and I I get kids from Living Word in my classes and I get kids from uh, schools that I'm involved in in my classes. And, uh, and I know that I am presenting cultural information, but it's not the platform where I get to necessarily share my um, beliefs more truths from the Lord about it. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to have that conversation here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, two to three weeks. I mean, you're saying you have a conversation two, three, we're doing this in less than an hour and actually this will only be like maybe five minutes of the, <laughs> the whole podcast. So hang in there with us guys. And to this mom, I like, I get the question here too, like this mixed messages thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mixed messages are hard no matter how you shake them. But I do mm-hmm. think that the mixed message um, met the mixed message message, huh? Uh, makes sense of this topic because I think that it's complex, it's multifaceted, it's quickly changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do think that that adds to a lot of the confusion for us parents to be able to meet our kids in that and have conversations about it. But I also think there's a lot of fear involved. We're fearful of it because we don't know. Um, you know, uh, this mom asks uh, what would be the healthiest way in having conversations about it? Um, I mean, one, we'll give you one resource here um, in just a minute, but I would just say, keep having conversations, right? Yeah. Keep talking about it. Keep pressing in with them, asking mm-hmm. them questions. Yeah. And I think above all else, like we are called as believers to model Jesus and Jesus was all about love of everybody. So yes. I think one thing we really, because, and I said the fear component, when we are fearful, sometimes we don't press into um, this idea of like, we're going to, we're going to meet whoever this person is, whoever these people are right where they're at, Mm -hmm. engage in relationship and make a choice to love because we're so fearful that like, it's going to impact my kid and it's going to, um, influence them. They're going to start thinking this way, or they're going to start thinking that way or whatever. I think there's a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that comes into how we communicate or don't want to communicate with our kids in this area? I think there's definitely blocks because for some of us, uh, maybe we haven't even figured out our thoughts about it, or we haven't pressed into how to understand this topic. Well, I, I think Mm -hmm. when you're talking to your kids about it, it really comes down to very similar ideas about when you're talking to your kids about sexuality in general. And Mm -hmm. that is to, um, to, to know that you have, um, that we have the way that the Lord intended for things to be. And when you're teaching your kids about sex, right, there's, there's an intention for how the Lord created sex, um, Uh, to be. And we teach our children about the the intention of it. Mm -hmm. And then we also teach our children about um, how it sometimes goes outside of his plan uh, and that that there are consequences for it being outside of his plan. And I think Mm -hmm. talking about um, all of the different ideas about gender in our culture today is very similar. The Lord created us. He created the world in, in a certain way. And there was an intention in that. And as with most of the things in the world, a lot of it has started to fall outside of his intention. That's right. um, and, and in that sense, it's not as confusing. Like mm-hmm. we can expect that there are going to be ways that our, our world has fallen out of his intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can speak truth to our children while still understanding um, that there are going to be people outside of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that you say that. It's a really good point. And it makes me think of, you know, you and I had a conversation a couple weeks before, even Friday, you know, on the 19th of February, we talked about this idea that sexual sin is sexual sin, period. And that means that it's not just when we say, like, outside the context of what God designed, we aren't just talking about, you know, homosexuality or gender issues or LGBTQ stuff. We aren't just talking about that. We actually are talking about all lust, all coveting. We are talking about all of it across the board. And I think that when we do have these conversations and one of the healthiest ways to have these conversations is to include that in into um, sexuality and this idea of how this kind of plays out and if they're and regardless of what they're seeing you know in their high schools and the hallways and whatever like it applies to all of it all of that is outside of god's heart for what sex and sexuality is was intended to be right Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You asked for, um, this person asked for um, a good, healthy way to have the conversation about it. I'm going to go ahead and give that resource now. One resource that we really love here at Living Word um, is this book called Embodied by Preston Sprinkle. Um, it's a funny last name. <laughs> I always laugh. Um, he's, a guy. he's a great guy. Super, super smart. And I would tell you that not it doesn't even have to be this book, but I would say look up this guy, Preston Sprinkle. He does an incredible job of pressing into this topic, of really delving in unapologetically of what God's design is, what his heart is, um, but yet also pressing into relation, relationship and working to understand, um, working out of love, which is what we're modeled to do. Um, by Jesus. So again, that's um, embodied by Preston Sprinkle or just look up Preston Sprinkle and he can help you navigate it. And we point to him because he has made it like his life's mission to study this. And he has done a really, really good job. So we want to say like, hey, we're with you. We're having these conversations with you. We're figuring it out just as much as you are. That's why, you know, there's this mixed messages thing. It can be so confusing because it's just such an evolving thing. But Pressing into somebody who really has done the work um, would be really, really helpful. So Absolutely. that was my answer to yeah. that one. Okay. All right, guys. Okay, the next one. Let's move on to the next one. All right. If men and women are put together for balance, then what do you think about non-straight slash cisgendered sex? Wouldn't having someone who is looking for the same kind of connection, emotional, physical, make things more satisfying for both partners? That's the first half of the question. <laughs> We're just getting started on that one too. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. It yeah. is, but I want to kind of just kind of touch this point in here of this is really this is really under the assumption uh, of what I tried to counter in in, in our talk on the nineteenth about. Uh, we, that we were talking in stereotypes. So you don't necessarily have to mix match uh, in different combinations, the genders in order to get to people who maybe have a tendency towards the same um, end goal of, of a sexual interaction, right? So I said that there were some men who really engaged in sex because of the connection reward. And there are some women who engage in sex because of the physical reward. So it's not necessarily that you would not have those combinations. But when you're talking about balance, this idea of balance is the idea um, that for many of us, our partners in some regard are complementary to us in personality and whatever, in strengths and challenges Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And our intent is that uh, when the Lord brings us together, that there is um, growth and complementary aspects of that. And so 
um, anytime you get a couple together that are too strong one way or too strong the other, that you're just going to have a harder time making sure that you are meeting all of your health needs. Right. 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 That you have that healthy balance of connection and of physical satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So um, that's almost a question outside of the LGBTQ kind of aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything mm -hmm. to add to that? No, I think that you pretty much covered everything that I was thinking on that with in, in regards to the balance and um, yeah, just the different personalities and, and different uh, ways that we connect in, in those ways. And yeah, sometimes there are those like more stereotypical ways that they are, but that's not always how it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely not always how mm -hmm. it happens. And I think that even within relationship, um, you know, maybe for a large portion of it, you know, maybe like one person is more this way and one person is more that way. But I think that even in that, like we can, have those moments where we kind of even switch roles in that. And maybe in that specific moment, one person is really about the physical needs and the other one is really about the connection. For and sure. usually it isn't that way. So, you know, I think that there's even fluidity in that, even just depending on where we are on, on any given day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My perspective on it um, really pressed into the idea of how in the beginning, um, you know, we were made male and female and that we ultimately kind of like she's saying that finding a balance, we complemented each other intentionally differently, right? Like the balance is, if you think about a weight that is balanced, there's weight on one side and there's equal weight on the other side. To me, that doesn't lend to same connection desires, same sexual desires, same at all. In fact, that does lend to this idea that we're called to balance one another out, just as, as this person mentioned in the, you know, in her question, um, and that we, we, we complete one another and quite, well, I mean, and quite literally <laughs> we complete one another. Um, and that's going to comes along with the idea of the definition of, um, of, you know, kind of Adam and Eve, when they were married, they were one another's help meet, right? Like it was this idea of like, of he completed her and she completed him. And ultimately outside of one another, they were incomplete. Now that is both in relationship and how God intended their relationship to function. It also is sexually. I mean, a man has a penis and a woman has a vagina and those two parts come together radically perfectly right like wow how did god think of that <laughs> perfectly and then they and they come together and there's a completeness there and actually can procreate and then make um a baby so um to me i feel like there's a lot of intentionality with that i do get what this person's saying is though um this idea of um if i desire this kind of connection why wouldn't then and of course it would be easier and i think about my best girlfriends like that's sort of the role that my best girlfriends do play and that and that is good i think i even think um i've even let's take it even one step farther and i think of this idea of the relationship between king david and jonathan um it's pretty you know common to talk about king david and jonathan's relationship like they were they were closer than brothers, but not like brothers. And they were more than just best friends. Like they were very, they were very intimately connected so much so that David even says in one of his Psalms that he, he was more connected to Jonathan than he was to his wives. Right. Um, and that's, that's, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that we also are made for that, that kind of connection. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, and I think that that can be separated from, 
from sexual intercourse and sex, you know, like that's actual physical sex interactions, um, which makes me think about one of the topic or one of the things that she had mentioned here was she had said, what do you think about non-straight cisgendered sex? Um, I kind of wanted to go back and um, kind of do our best to, to define that. So non-straight would mean as in homosexual. Um, that part is pretty obvious. We know and understand that term non-straight. But cisgendered, I think, is a really confusing topic or a confusing word just because it's so brand new. But from how I understand it, and Liz, you can speak to this too, cisgendered means same, essentially same gendered. And that means, so if I am born a woman, I'm born a female, that's my sex. Um, that is also congruent with my gender, which is also female. Mm -hmm. So cisgendered would mean if I'm a, if I'm a female, and I also have female, you know, qualities to me. I'm more female than masculine, right? That's what cisgendered means. Uh, yes, you're, you're probably taking it a little further than the culture would identify it because they even put um, your your gender that you identify with as a different, even scale than masculinity and femininity. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, but yes, you're talking about the genitalia you're born with aligns with a with maybe female, and you also identify as female. That is. Uh, cisgendered, but I love the terminology actually that you brought up that uh, Preston Spreakle talks about with congruence versus incongruence. Mm -hmm. um, I just really like that phrasing is you are born a certain gender and your identity is congruent with that gender uh, versus the other umbrella of identifications, which would mean that you were born a certain gender, but that is not how you identify. Mm -hmm. There's an incongruence there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully that's helpful. It sheds a little bit of light on some of these terms that you have heard us say. Um, with that, I'm going to move on to the next part of the question. Um, this person asked about trauma and actually we are going to speak about trauma, but we're not going to do that till more towards the end of this episode here. But um, this person does ask, can you speak on our stance, our meaning, I think living word on our stance with LGBTQ issues so that I can also speak about them to friends who ask? Um, I would love to speak on that. I would say um, that ultimately we are, you know, from a biblical standpoint, we do believe that God made male and female. He made, um, you know, males and females. He made them for one another, to complete one another, um, to marry and to have sexual intercourse and to procreate and have more kiddos or more people. Um, we do believe that that is true. Uh, we do also, however, respect and understand this confusing in between that has happened, which we want to say we believe is fully the world, something that happened in the fall and it continued and continued and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. That is this idea of gender issue um, because we have like the scale essentially and Preston Sprinkle speaks to this too, not in this book, but in a different, you know, in a different book, I think, or from a different talk I've heard him do um, like this far side scale of masculinity and this far side scale of femininity. And ultimately if you don't fit masculinity and you don't fit femininity, there's this, there's this spectrum that you have no idea then who you are. So you kind of find a place to land upon that. That ultimately leads to discontentment, leads to pain, confusion, all manner of everything else that pulls us away from God's idea of male and female mm -hmm. um, and those in those sexes. And they are to come together with actual intercourse, sex intercourse. So um, that's what we believe. Um, 
but there's grace. There's tons of grace. And we act again, I go back to saying like, Hey, sexual sin is sexual sin period. We believe in freedom from sexual sin across the board. Um, we petition for that. We watch Jesus and how to engage in relationship mm-hmm. um, across the board, whether that is a, a quote unquote straight human, uh, straight man, straight woman having, you know, lustful desires and following through with those or a homosexual um, male or female following their lustful desires. Regardless, um, we want to enter into a relationship and have grace and love everybody who we all struggle with sin, no matter what it is. And again, there's not a scale of sin. It's just really easy to throw um, stones at people whose sin doesn't look like yours. It's not something you struggle with. And we want to say, actually, no, we don't, we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. We want to believe in freedom for everybody. We want to believe in freedom um, just from sin in general for everybody and love everybody right where they're at. So I would say that that is our stance on that. I hope that makes it clear. I think that uh, one of the one of the things about that that has really been on my heart, especially as I have been given this opportunity to speak to uh, young people about this topic mm-hmm. within my work, um, is just really this idea of what the what the world, what our culture generally sees, um, is Christians on one side and LGBTQ plus on the other, yeah. and um, what the Lord has called me to over and over and over again is to build bridges and not walls, mm-hmm. bridges and not walls. Um, no one has ever built a wall to invite someone to meet the Lord. Uh, it's always through bridges. And I think it's really easy, um, especially as we're talking to our kids about sexuality to come across as, um, this is wrong end of picture and wrong means we don't agree or accept or love those people. And, and that is where I think trouble enters in uh, because then that population feels so rejected that they will never see Jesus uh, because Christians have built so many walls. And so what I guess I would uh, also encourage is that it's okay. It is possible to live in this truth of what the Lord speaks about sexuality and his intention for us it is not okay to then um, reject people who have never met Jesus because they've never met him. Or, you know, it's it's this idea of, I think that we often try to hold people accountable to the Lord and to his truth when they don't even know him. And how can you do that? You're never going to introduce Jesus to someone by, by throwing a stone. Yeah, for sure by throwing a stone. And so what I would also just tie, I would tie this back to how do we talk to our kids about it? And this is how I would talk to our kids about it. Like there are lots of our friends who don't know the Lord yet. And the way to introduce them to Jesus is not by telling them how they're wrong or telling them where their sin is. It's by loving them first and then introducing them to Jesus. Yeah. And actually I would argue that that is applicable to those who do know Jesus. I mean, we are sitting in this room and we all three know Jesus and we love him dearly um, and deeply and feel surrendered to him. And we've given our lives to him, but we still struggle with sin. Absolutely. And we still acknowledge like, you know, I just think that, again, this particular topic. So I I, I fully believe that there are um, people who are, um, you know, navigating their gender identity who absolutely deeply love Jesus for sure out there. And so how, you know, how do we, uh, you know, talking about making bridges, like how do we continue to extend these bridges 
to one another, like, so that we can crissy cross, like, I'm going to cross the cross the bridge and come to you. I hope that you cross the bridge and come to me too, because I, I am struggling with something totally different than mm-hmm. what you're struggling with, but it's still a struggle and it's still sin and it's still there. And we, there's room for all of that because we are all in process and we have all fallen short and we all desperately need him. We need his love. We need his power. We need his grace and mercy and his freedom. And we cannot get that mm-hmm. without uniting with one another and saying me too, maybe not the exact same thing, Absolutely. me too, but me too. Mm-hmm. And so if I just would say that if, if you are a believer out there and you are tempted to throw stones and kind of, you know, judge just, I mean, you know, it's like any other thing, like look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know when I look in the mirror, I'm like, geez, I'm really falling short, short there. We just all, we all, right. all are. Yes. Yeah. Anytime you feel that idea of like judgment coming up in your mind, I feel like the first thing I try to ask myself is like, <laughs> what's my relationship with them like right now? Mm-hmm. Like if I um, can answer the question mm-hmm. with like, well, I have a good and open relationship with them then okay maybe the thought that I'm having about calling them as a fellow believer might be valid but if I don't have relationship with that person then what that thing is there (laughs) that is just judgment Uh, that is your own judgment that is not the Holy Spirit prompting you um to to sharpen another believer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I'm really glad you said that because that is another stance that we definitely take here at Living Word like outside of relationship we come alongside as, as much as we're invited into, but we are definitely not like, Hey, you might want to look at this area of, yeah, that's not how we work it. Yeah. It's just because it's, it doesn't, it doesn't convey the message of Jesus. You're right. It conveys the message of, well, I'm going to judge you and I'm, let me teach you my ways. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're doing. Wrong and I'm right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're trying to say, let's, let's learn Jesus's ways together. Mm -hmm. Ooh, guys. Okay. Oh man. Okay, next question confused the heck out of me. So it's still part of the first, the question that we're on. So I don't want, we're not going off the question, but it confused me because I missed this whole like topic that you brought up, Elizabeth, but here we go. So this, the question is, what about freedom stage of life? She puts it in quotation marks. Is there a point when the freedom ends? It feels like there should be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's freedom stage? <laughs> I missed this. Where did it where I wanted to look it up, but I was kind of afraid. <laughs> Come on, what am I gonna find, find on Google? Google? Yeah, what you Google? Sometimes you should not Google it. No. No, yeah. so um, in talking about this, what we connected it back to is that I think I used this phrase a couple times on uh the Friday that we spoke, is that I referred to being in the freedom stage of life. And what I had intended by that, what I meant was if you are within the context of marriage, that you are basically in a freedom stage with your sexuality to, as long as you are um, staying within the triad that we talked about on the last podcast, right? The, your spouse and the Lord and yourself, that's the triad. As long as you're staying within that triad, um, then you basically have like a ton of sexual freedom. Yeah. Um, and so I believe that that is what this question yeah. is referring that to. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then we had a couple of different interpretations <laughs> yeah. of that question. But what if it's this? And what yeah. if it means that? And yeah. Yeah. So Amy, what was one of the ways that you had interpreted Well, just it? kind of speaking to what you were talking about, her question was, is there a point where the freedom ends? Like in that, like in that sexual freedom to have that freedom within your marriage to be to really embrace that sexuality. Like, I don't think there needs to be an end to that. Like, I hope that I'm still embracing my sexual freedom when I'm 90 and have been married to my husband for however many years, mm-hmm. that would be 50 years, yeah. you know, like, I hope that that's still a thing. But I think one of the other things that we had asked about, or one of the other 
trains of thought that we had had around this question that was potentially what this individual was asking um, was the, the freedom to continue exploring new things, um, trying new things. And, and is there a, an end where you should say, okay, well, we've tried this. Now let's add this. Mm-hmm. And then let's go on to this. Thing. Upping like, the ante. You're like, yeah, upping the ante. Like keep going down, going farther and further and further down the road into this exploration um, and this freedom that you have within mm-hmm. your marriage. But is there an end to that? And I think really what we all agreed on was it does go back to the triad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are within the context of your marriage and you and your spouse and the Lord are all like, none of us feel anything bad about this. Like the Lord is giving us the go. We both feel comfortable with it. Like let's keep exploring. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just shifts a little bit and mm-hmm. you know, there's variety or, mm-hmm. or whatever that might be. Um, so hopefully yes. this question, like one of those two things was mm-hmm. maybe what mm-hmm. the question was, asking. So I apologize if it wasn't, um, but it, it definitely felt very broad and there could be a lot of interpretations about what exactly mm-hmm. um, that was, was asking. So we mm-hmm. really tried to yeah think about what all could be there with that yeah. and kind of address that. Good job, you guys. What, what was the thing? I mean, I feel like you said something about as long as it, as long as you're safe and what were the other, uh, if you're safe and if you're, uh, others are safe comfortable. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know if like, if this person was kind of going down that road, like, I yeah. mean, shouldn't we stop? And because now we're doing, now we're trying, okay, well, we did that. Let's try this. And now yeah. maybe you don't feel safe or maybe right. you don't. Which I think but is, is triad 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 triad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. If, if you're feeling that and you're checking with yourself and your spouse is like, yeah. And even the Lord is like, I am not seeing anything wrong with this, but you are feeling like, ah, this doesn't feel good to me. Like maybe that is in that specific vein of exploration is your boundary and is where you're like, I don't want to go any farther. Like my freedom in going down that path has now come to an end because I'm not feeling good going past this certain point. Mm -hmm. And that is okay Mm -hmm. because that's what it's all about is making sure that everybody, the three individuals that are part of that relationship are all on board. Mm-hmm. And if one is not, whether that's you, your spouse, or the Lord, mm-hmm. then it's like, all right, we need to reassess this. Yeah. So in that sense, yes, there can be an end to that freedom. Yep. If that makes yeah. sense. Good. Good job, guys. Okay. You navigated that. Great. Hopefully that answers your question. All right. Next question. How to work through insecurities during sex in body image when husband has had previous partners and has viewed porn? Hmm. It's a comparison question. Absolutely. That's, that was the first thing that came to my mind was just that comparison Oof. to um, to other people, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I, I, I question like what's harder in that comparison? Is it like to real life people that your husband's actually been with or like the porn side of Imaginary. it where it's like, yeah, yeah, but it's like these like mm. very physically attractive women that like so easy to compare yourself to and be like, yeah, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's not them either. Yeah. Way. It's not them either, <laughs> but like on screen, it looks yeah. like it is, but it, it all comes back to that comparison totally. between, oh. um, what, what this, what your husband has experienced in whatever context that might be and what he is experiencing, um, with you. I have worked with a number of women that their husbands have had this issue with porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the hardest thing that women experience with that. And I, I, I'm assuming that men have also, I haven't worked with any men that have been on that side of it mm-hmm. um, is thinking that it's something that's lacking within them that has caused their husband to go to porn mm-hmm. when it's, it's not, but that is the first place. Oh, wow. You would really that think that go. that would be it. 
Yeah. You know, like that's the first place our brain is going to go. Well, I must not be satisfying him. Mm -hmm. I must not be enough. Well, then what is it for him? It was not that. It's, I think that there is, I mean, I think that there's different answers for each man as to what has got Mm -hmm. them to that. Um, Mm -hmm. It could be anywhere from there is, maybe they struggle with that emotional connection. And with their spouse, it's like, oh, that's overwhelming mm-hmm. to have that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. I don't but with have the what it takes. Of it, okay. There's a separation there, mm-hmm. right? There's not that emotional connection. It's not and complicated. It's, not, it's purely physical. And it's purely physical. There's not, there's no emotional mm-hmm. thing going on there. It's all about that A plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. end result that, that that person is, is looking for. Um, it could be that that person who is engaging and watching porn started doing that a really long time ago. And now it's something that like, they don't know how to give up. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to, and they don't know how, or they're not sure that they can. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're afraid to ask for the supports Mm -hmm. that they need. Because doesn't it work? I mean, doesn't it mess with your brain? It does. Drugs mess with your brain, like the same kind of concept. It does actually. There have Mm -hmm. been some really interesting studies and I play these videos in my classes Mm -hmm. all the time when we're talking about pornography. What kind of videos are you playing? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Pornography. (laughs) No, um, there's a couple of TED Talks actually that present this really well. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that there has been an epidemic actually in erectile dysfunction in the younger population uh yes and it has been kind of wild and they've looked at why that is and there's actually a pretty clear distinction in the generations between when porn was paper copy and Mm -hmm. when porn moved to the internet uh, and especially when porn became free because there, there was this time period, probably right around the time that I was in college, where you could get porn on the internet, but you had to pay, pay for, for it. it. There yeah. was a credit card. There was a trail. So mm-hmm. it really deterred a lot of people from using it. And then it very quickly flipped to free. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now there's this idea with pornography that it's you can get novelty over and over and over again. And then your brain, uh, if you are viewing this, gets to the point where you have to have the novelty over and over and over again in order to achieve orgasm. Uh, which would lead the addicted person uh, very often to the place where they can no longer engage in um, sex with their partner because their brain can no longer function Mm -hmm. in that realm. It can only function with novelty after novelty after novelty. Mm -hmm. So it makes these critical changes in the brain. Absolutely. The interesting part that I would say is that when they look at trying to rectify this with the populations, it's the populations who became addicted to pornography when it was hard copy who can recover faster. Mm. So they were looking at 50-year-olds who were recovering from erectile dysfunction much much faster than the 20-year-olds, which is counterintuitive, right? Mm -hmm. We think um, with erectile dysfunction, uh, we link it with age. And actually, it came down to brain wiring. Brain wiring. When you are exposing the adolescent brain to rapid-fire pornography access, it literally structures the brain to require it. Mm. And so rewiring it then is more difficult. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. We are digressing just a little bit. We'll come back to the question, but I did want to point out like, Amy, something you said made me think of this idea that like this disconnect. So you're saying that it is kind of, so the use of porn is essentially like you, it's purely physical and there's the emotional component, the connection component. And I do believe that there's something men are kind of wired 
to, you know, this is general, um, wired to sort of always wonder, do I have what it takes? That's the question most men have. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? It sounds like in this instance, they don't believe they have what it takes to engage emotionally and connect in other ways besides physically. And so then they disengage completely. So that's what men often struggle with that question. And women, on the other hand, which I do feel like kind of circles us back to this particular question is, does he notice me? Mm -hmm. So men are asking, do I have what it takes? Women are asking, does he notice me? Mm-hmm. And we did digress and we're so sorry to this particular person who's questioned, but that was fascinating yeah. and so interesting. But the question here ultimately boils down to how to work through insecurities during sex in body image when husband ha- has had previous partners and has viewed porn. So we're talking about working through the way that makes her feel. So mm-hmm. first of all, I'm, I'm reading this that maybe we haven't gone as far as what some of the stuff we're talking about. Sure. This man sounds like he he isn't addict, fully addicted. Like we can right. see mm-hmm. men's brains become fully addicted. But there's still an issue here mm-hmm. of this idea of not feeling secure in her own skin, right. especially in comparison to porn. And I have had this question also asked me outside of the idea of porn too, just other partners. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, maybe you've been in, in a marriage and, and divorce happened and now you want to engage in, in a new marriage or a new relationship, new marriage, and you want to um, engage in sexual intercourse. Of course, if you're going to get married again, um, but there's that comparison there. How, how do we navigate this? It's a really, I feel like that's a, it's a scary question. I Absolutely. could see how that would cause somebody to be like, I don't even want to do it, but how, like, what's mm-hmm. the answer? Yeah. Yeah. So this, this comes back to, for me, or if I had a couple in front of me and I was trying to help mm-hmm. them work through this uh, question, Th- I mean, this has some to do with confidence in the the woman herself, but what this really comes back to also is the mm-hmm. security in the relationship. Yeah. You mentioned that last time. Yes. It's yeah. huge. This is a huge thing. If you are yeah. looking at one partner having an issue, oftentimes what it comes back to is, are we connected? Am I in a healthy place in our relationship? And not to say that you won't necessarily have individual things to work on, but that reassurance of connection with your partner is going to go a long way towards covering some of that. If you feel Mm -hmm. secure in your relationship, then those things about their past are not going to come in as often. But here's what you'll see. If there is a breakdown in that relationship in any place, the enemy sits there waiting, doesn't yeah. it? And if they know where your weakness is and this is that for you, then anytime any piece of your relationship breaks down, the enemy will sneak into that crack and they yeah. will take it over. And go right mm-hmm. to that yes. area. So the question that I would ask is when those feelings come up for her, not just to look at their sex life, not even to look first at their sex life, but to look at where she's feeling like they're at connection-wise. Yes. Ooh, that's good. Amen. Yes. Wow. That was exact. I was... I was fully in like relational, <laughs> like it's all about the relational aspect wow. of it. Of yeah. Like how much security are you feeling in these other parts of your relationship? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling emotionally connected to your spouse? Yeah. Are you feeling seen by your spouse and not just sexually right. in the broader context of your entire relationship? Yeah. Because that is going to play a major role, not only in how, you feel about yourself, but I also think that that plays such a major role in healing from maybe past hurts that have happened. Maybe there have been previous relationships that you've had where um, maybe you haven't felt really accepted for the way you are physically in that relationship. Yeah. And so now there's that that fear um, in this relationship or, um, you know, just, just those messages mm-hmm. that have been there. And so if you mm-hmm. have that that really um, 
strong relational piece of it. Yeah. There's so much healing wow. that comes from that. And like, I'm, I'm going to get a little real with y'all right now. Um, get a little personal. Um, in my first marriage, we did not have a, a healthy sex life in the means of like, I never wanted to. Mm-hmm. And that very much came down to the fact that there was not security emotionally mm-hmm. in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized after mm-hmm. the fact that I'd also lost a lot of respect for my ex-husband. And so therefore I just had zero desire sexually to even engage in that way. And I was told over and over again that I was crazy and there was something wrong with me and I needed to figure out what the heck was wrong with me because it was obviously Mm. me. Right. Mm. So when I got into my relationship with my husband, I was terrified Mm. because my Mm. biggest fear was he was right. There is something wrong with me Mm. and that I was going to have the same Mm. problem in this relationship with my, you know, with Tom and um, I didn't. So Amen for that. Mm -hmm. But I think so much of that came from just the really strong emotional connection that Tom and I always had from the get-go and still have. And that he accepts me exactly the way that I am. And through just that acceptance and just the the love that he gave me, so much of that part of me was healed. Yeah. And opened me up to freely engaging with him. And even on those days where I don't feel my great, my greatest, and I don't feel like my best physical self, like I know that he still finds me beautiful and he tells Mm -hmm. me that, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that that relational piece is just so vital Mm -hmm. in all of it. Which makes me think a little bit about the idea of if you have been in a previous relationship and you are seeking to enter into a new relationship, really supports the idea of waiting, Mm -hmm. like waiting, because if this is a struggle for you anyway, and it really takes that emotional connection to trust and to go to the place of, I'm not comparing, I'm not worried about it. I'm not fear. I'm not fearful that he will compare. Mm -hmm. That takes time, Mm -hmm. right? That takes time and relational equity. And I mean, that to me just points right back to the whole idea of like, this is why this is a big deal. When two become one sexually, it is intense. It is an intense connection and it matters. It matters. Time matters. Relationship quality matters. All of that matters. So Mm -hmm. I just would point to that too. Like, Hey, I think some of that fear will go away if you, if you wait and you wait and you're, and you're, you're ready to be married and then you get married. And then I can see how on the other side, like all of that um, foundational work will have been done. And that's true with whether or not you haven't been married before and you're waiting, you know, you are, you aren't, haven't been married yet and you're waiting to get married and then you want to um, move forward in your sexual, you know, and, sex with your spouse. Yeah. And that's a lot of good power behind that. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to say, um, as the pastor in the room, I feel like there's not, there's only a couple of times when this is totally appropriate. And I will tell you this, if there is a little crack and a little fissure, like Elizabeth said, and the enemy is getting in there, you have 100% my permission to tell the enemy in that area to completely just beep off. Um, <laughs> I wasn't that, sure you were going to go for it. I actually I'm not going to go for it. Out of, respect, <laughs> out of respect to my boss, actually, I was like thinking like, yeah, thinking that. Um, no, I mean, seriously, like those are the moments where I yeah. feel like you tell him to get out of your face. Yeah. I mean, tell him mm-hmm. off um, because he wants to take that from you and steal Absolutely. that from you. And that's part of the work. I think is just identifying. And the Lord says he must flee. Um, 
if you don't feel like saying what I said, then you can just say, in the Take name a of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. Like, get off me. Don't even talk to me. So, yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Yes. Thanks, yeah. ladies. Yes. And I mean, really, like, be honest, too, with your partner. Mm-hmm. If this is something that's an ongoing issue in your relationship, then um, then you need to involve your partner in the resolution of it so that yes. you can say, like, this is what I'm feeling right now. And mm-hmm. I need to, we need to work on our connection because I'm struggling. Oh, yeah. that's so good. That's yeah. Oh, and I also thought of another thing that made me think of something. And if you don't know how to get emotionally healthy, try emotionally healthy spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. <laughs> Side advert. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I was thinking, like when you were and Amy, when you were talking about that, and Elizabeth, you just said it, brought it back up to me, and I thought to myself, what if someone is saying, well, like, how do you get emotionally healthy? And I was like, oh, <laughs> we're reading that. Try one this right book. Yeah. So um, that's one way of doing it. I mean, it just teaches you a lot of good stuff about like what even is emotional health, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and how do we get there? So anyway, just another plug there. Okay, moving on to the next question. Um, here we go. I am an Enneagram four. And someone who longs for vulnerability and connection in all relationships. How do I keep those physical breaks engaged while not completely shutting out that emotional intimacy piece? I don't want to be emotionally vulnerable with a male partner if that will turn into unwanted physical closeness, not even talking about sex, that I just don't want. Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Crickets? Crickets. No, it's a really good question. Um, and I, I think this is the first thing that comes to, to my mind is just the idea of boundaries yeah. um, and that we each have a different idea of what our own personal boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially for um, maybe for younger people or, um, you know, maybe somebody that's just trying to figure out what those boundaries are. Uh, maybe, maybe you are somebody that has gotten, um, maybe you've gotten divorced, maybe you're widowed and you're actually thinking about stepping into a new relationship, but you want to set these new boundaries and you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what does this mean for yeah, me now? Right. Yeah. Like this was different for me before, but I feel like mm-hmm. I have different boundaries now. And just being able to figure out what your personal, 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 wow, words, y'all <laughs> personal boundaries are and, and accepting that and not judging yourself if they're different than what somebody else's is, or um, even the, maybe if there is a, a somebody in your life that you are being more um, emotionally intimate with, mm-hmm. even if they don't understand what your physical mm-hmm. boundaries are, mm-hmm. staying true to yourself and wh- how the Lord is calling you to have those boundaries. Yeah. Um, because I think that it's a natural progression, you know, like Elizabeth was telling us that when we are somebody that does really want that emotional intimacy that the natural progression is to physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. Like I think that mentally and emotionally, we just kind of start going down that path. That is how the Lord made us. Mm -hmm. And so like, like she said, keeping those physical breaks engaged and just really being able to um, embrace what your physical boundaries are, whether that's, you know, for one person, it might be, I feel really emotionally connected to you. Um, but as far as physically as I want to go with you is just like holding your hand, um, mm-hmm. where for somebody else, maybe, um, you know, kissing could be something that they are okay with and still feel like they could engage those, mm-hmm. phys- those yeah. breaks for mm-hmm. anything beyond that, if that's their, their boundary, you know, cause they don't want to go down that road. And both of those are okay. Mm-hmm. Dependent on yeah. what you are comfortable with, because mm-hmm. we all have our own boundaries in right. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even mm-hmm. even when you're you're dating, um, like the idea of the triad isn't gone, mm. right? Great point. Um, Great point. It's, yeah. it's it's something that doesn't just you know here's your triad. Now that you have said I do, like you get this idea of triad anytime mm-hmm. you enter into a relationship, right? Uh, we talked about it with girlfriends. Uh, yeah. For those of that 
we're single last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of always checking in because your level of intimacy might cross the other person's um, breakability. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, and you want to be conscious of oh, that too. Point, yeah. So communication mm-hmm. needs to come into play Absolutely. around that. Mm-hmm. Here's the other so thing. So would, would, oh. the, would the boyfriend or girlfriend be the other piece? Then even in even in a non-married triad, would that be or are you saying like you were saying like an accountability friend, like a girlfriend or whatever? Is that the accountability? Like if we're talking about a girl who's sure, talking about yeah. a boyfriend? So I would not necessarily I mean, I would say in a dating relationship, you and your uh boyfriend and the Lord are okay. are starting Got a triad. It. Got it. You are starting that. But we'll say that that your friends are like your training wheels. Mm-hmm. You still need to have them involved because because we get blinded sometimes, don't yeah. we, by oh, our totally. desires. Yeah, uh, and so if we are not free to engage in within the marriage relationship, then you need some people there to maybe help train your brakes sometimes, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. Um, the other thing I would say about that, and I think that this is not really anything that crossed my mind at all um, before I got married, or even probably a few years after being married, is this idea of how you have to change how you relate to people when you are married. So if you are if you are married and you I mean you're still going to engage with men right um, you have to have much different boundaries than you would have when you were single and I think that practicing that idea when you're single is is a good idea if you are someone who connects with emotional intimacy um, you are going to want that connection from your boyfriend and you're going to want some degree of that connection with other people in your life as well right and so it's, it's this idea of practicing boundaries. Um, and being aware of boundaries when you're single, because you need that even more after you're married, this idea of um, where where mushy boundaries can lead you um, can go some really bad ways once you're married. And so mm-hmm. how are you practicing boundaries when you're single so you know how to handle it when you are married? Yeah. Yeah. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally making yeah. sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of this idea of I don't want to be emotionally vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable with a male partner, if that will turn into unwanted physical closeness. Not even talking about sex that I just don't want. For some reason, I'm I'm poking and thinking about this emotional, emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. concept. Is that is that a whole separate piece to this, or? Like, is there, are you talking, is there like physical boundary boundaries that we're talking about here? And then also emotional boundaries here and how I think do they, they are connected, but they're okay. also very separate, right? Okay. This idea of a physical boundary is obviously the touching and the physical closeness, but emotional boundaries, I mean, those are the same, those are the same concepts, but with your emotions, with your mm-hmm. um, innermost thoughts, right? There's this idea of, um, uh, for sexual boundaries that you have to save this certain part of yourself. We're called to only share that with, mm-hmm. with our partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I would say that, that that is similar with your emotional connection and your emotional vulnerability as well. You don't want to um, empty your emotional piggy bank and your emotional history into someone who isn't going to be that long-term intimate partner for you. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm wondering if, so would you say that emo so for females because we're so we're so emotionally driven, um, in being emotionally vulnerable is almost like a gas, like gas, oh, yeah. putting yeah. on the gas. I wonder if that's what this person is almost like. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when I'm emotionally vulnerable, that's gas, but I'm trying to keep the physical brakes on. Boy, right. mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and that you know, yeah. and I thinking about young people just in general. 
and like I'm thinking about like, you know, young people, adolescents and into young adulthood, like this is the plight that they are dealing with. (laughs) Women, females. I mean, I don't, I'm sure the men have their whole other own plight that they're dealing with, but wow, that's rough Mm -hmm. stuff. No wonder it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Well, that's anyway. kind of what I was saying. Like, there's a natural progression that I yeah, think that we totally. go down. We have that uh, emotional intimacy. It makes us want to go to that that next mm-hmm. place. I feel so right. heard with you, and my expression yeah. of that yeah. naturally is to want to be affectionate right. with you physically. Right. And so, how right. do you find that balance of having some level of emotional intimacy? Because if we're engaging in relationship with somebody that could potentially be a spouse for us, like. We do, I think, on some level, want to be being vulnerable with that person. We got to know how they're going to handle that, how we're going to be able to connect in that. But like really being able to just like we know what our physical boundaries are, know when does this connection start making me hit the gas? Mm -hmm. And I need to be like, okay, I need to I need to take a step Mm -hmm. back because this Mm -hmm. is going this could lead down a road that I don't want to to go down. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it is, it's a very delicate yeah, balance. And I, really I wish is. that there was like a very concrete yeah. answer that we could give this young woman. But it's it's just not that simple, yeah. unfortunately. I yeah. think that there's each situation can be different. And, um, you know, even within that relationship, that boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, there are different situations that happen that mm-hmm. could be where we just really feel like we're hitting the gas on it. In other situations, we feel like we're very much in control. Yeah. And we do have that emotional connection. But we're not feeling like, you know, so it's, it yeah. is, it's, it's very fluid and yeah. not linear. And it's just like anything else. I feel like, I mean, when we are called, like, I feel like as Christians specifically, when we are called to, we're called to walk in tension all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just reminds me of just one other tension. Yes. Just yeah. add that to our list of, <laughs> of tensions to deal with. But, but this again yeah. is where you're, you're going to really benefit from a little bit of wisdom in, in life perspective. So mm-hmm. this is where like, reach out to that mm-hmm. mentor that maybe is a little bit older, has walked that path. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's an older girlfriend or, you know, an aunt or a mom or whoever maybe is available to you, a pastor, mm-hmm. um, youth pastor, those ladies are going to be able to help uh, give you some perspective on where some good boundaries might be for mm-hmm. you. It's mm-hmm. good. Awesome. All right, guys, let's move to the last question. All right. How can one feel joy or pleasure when having sex? Because when reaching a high and stop, dot, 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 get to a point where it can't continue. So don't know if I've even had an orgasm. She goes on to say that she was raped at seven years old and molested hundreds of times from the age of seven to the age of 16. So as an adult, it's been difficult for her to not feel shame when having sex with her spouse, who she's been married to for 25 years. And it's hard for her to reach an orgasm, which her husband tries to do for her, but she just can't. So I hate that it takes forever. So I'd rather him just get done with his deal, dot, 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 then I wash off. Am I like this because of that, because of all that happened to me when I was young? Is it wrong to wash up afterwards? Hmm. There's a lot there mm-hmm. uh, and and really just a lot of heartbreak um, to feel about that experience, but also that this isn't an uncommon experience. Mm-hmm. We know that the the numbers of, of ladies who have had similar experience to these are uh, just heartbreakingly high. Mm-hmm. And that these kinds of issues, um, that these are traumas that are often not resolved well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that if we are not able to walk in some sexual freedom, that these traumas are very likely things that we need to to address. And Amy, you had some really great ideas about how to address these traumas. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see the, the trauma that is here for this young woman. And like you said, it is, it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking of how many, how many women have had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously I'm a big component, proponent of therapy um, and talk therapy is great, but Mm -hmm. I think in situations like this, very specific trauma therapy mm-hmm. could be very, very helpful just because there's a lot of, of trauma that happened mm-hmm. and um, to be able to work through that and to be able to step into some freedom in that um, through that processing of it, I think is, would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wonderful. Um, so I think that that's um, really something to take to seriously consider for not only this this young woman, but for any any woman out there that has had any type of trauma that mm-hmm. um, she is seeing that it is impacting her life in ways yeah. that she does not want it to be impacting her life. And um, that there is, there's no shame in asking for help mm-hmm. in that. Right. And that there are people that this is, this is what they do because right. they want to help people be able mm-hmm. to work through these and work through things like this that have happened and be able to walk out the other side of it. Yeah. So I think that that is, um, that's something that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is, uh, common. Mm-hmm. So you're not alone. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that it's just to you. Yeah, so uh, I think it's, it's harder to find women who don't have something like this in their history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what we're definitely saying is that if it is still impacting you, this mm-hmm. is not a path to walk alone. Mm-hmm. It is not something that we want you to continue in. And so please, please look for that, yeah. that trauma therapy. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. we'll have some maybe resources or connections on the page yeah. for them to, to reach out to you for addressing some of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this um, woman has at least some support from her spouse. Um, seems like he is trying to meet her where she's at, trying to, um, help her mm-hmm. achieve some kind of, um, you know, pleasure in mm-hmm. their, in their sex life. And then also she, um, later talked about how, um, that he finally is getting her to talk about it with him, mm-hmm. which is really, really good. Inviting him into that, I think would definitely be a really good part of, yeah. you know, her healing experience. Absolutely. Um, we can't tell here if you've had, um, any, you know, therapy in the past or not, but, um, yeah, uh, don't do this alone. Um, anybody who's navigating any kind of sexual trauma, um, trauma is trauma is trauma and it is really hard to do. There's no way that you can do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and we will, we'll talk about, um, where people can, Find that, and like you said, Amy, talk therapy isn't nothing. Um, no, that is it's that is somewhere to start. So absolutely. I would just say, especially during, the, I feel like just with COVID, it's so hard to get on people's schedules. And mm-hmm. I would just say, like finding somewhere to start mm-hmm. is is okay while you wait. If you're waiting for more yeah. uh, trauma specific, but yeah. and with telehealth these days, it oh, opens it up to so sure, many so many more That's a good options. Point. Yeah, that um, mm-hmm. you know you can be seeing somebody in Spokane mm-hmm. while being on a on Whidbey Island, yes, right over telehealth. Yeah. So yeah. it does open up the door um, for more availability. It doesn't have to be just somebody you can drive to go see. So yes, yeah. that's definitely an option. Also, okay, yeah, okay. Praying for freedom for you, sister, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praying for healing. 
Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here with us. We really recognize that this is just the start of this conversation, you guys. Um, this is a huge topic mm-hmm. and, um, mm. you know, we could spend a lot of time and a lot of podcasts talking just about this topic of sex. And really, I think when it comes right down to it, we will have more podcasts on this topic Yeah, for sure. Um, because there's so much that we can speak about and it's an important, important topic. Um, so please continue to send your questions into us. Um, you can send them to Shannon at livingwordoakharbor.com, um, whether that's a question for Shannon or Elizabeth or myself, mm-hmm. um, just if you have them, please send them because mm-hmm as we gather a, another list of questions, like that's an opportunity for us to have another yeah. podcast on this topic. And yep. we really want to be able to do that and lean into that. Uh, we will be uh, posting resources on the show notes. I know we said we were going to do that last time and we sorry. forgot. We're sorry about that. Um, but they will be in the show notes. Um, when you go to the podcast, we will have resources in there for talking to your children about this. We will have information for the book embodied by Preston Sprinkle that uh, Shannon referenced. Um, and we will also have a link to psychologytoday.com. And I think I'll put one in there also for goodtherapy.com. Those are both really great ways to find a therapist. If you are looking to do that. And we talked about that in discussing the trauma part of it, and you can, um, you can filter what you're looking for specific issues you want to work on. You can put in there your insurance. You can put in there if you want a male or female therapist, if you are looking for somebody that's Christian, mm-hmm. you can filter by all that to find somebody that's really gonna meet your needs. That's awesome. So uh, we will make sure that that is in there for anybody that wants to do that. And of course, we also have a list of local therapists mm-hmm. here on, our um, website. on yeah. the website at livingwordoakharbor.com. Um, but you know, the great thing about uh, one thing we could, good thing we can say about COVID is that it has opened up the door for telehealth. Mm-hmm. And that means that when you are in Washington, that you can be here on Woodby Island and be seeing somebody in Spokane or mm-hmm. anywhere in the state. So it really opens up some opportunities to be able to find somebody that's really going to work for you. So awesome. take advantage of that. Yeah. That one good thing that it will be good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we I will, but first I want to say that next steps, or not next steps, but what's coming up next, the announcement, the one announcement is March 19th, we'll be having our Eden gathering in person. We probably will be streaming that also. Um, We did not stream this last one, as you know, most of you, because uh, we didn't want anything to be taken out of context, Um, but this time we will be, and we're having a guest speaker. Her name is Janelle Martin. She's coming in. She is a pastor, was out of Seattle, is moving to Aberdeen. She's kind of in transition, but we get to hear from her about living empowered. Um, we are going to be talking about, or she's going to be talking about living your best life full of the Holy Spirit and his mm-hmm. awesome, awesome power. So you don't want to make sure that you either tune into that or show up on March 19th at 630 is when we'll be doing that. Yes. And I think that's it announcement wise. Yeah. Yep. All right. It. I will pray for us. Thank you. Oh, Heavenly Father. Um, We praise you for an opportunity to get to talk about this stuff. We thank you for your presence in it. We thank you for your love and your care in it. I can just just feel you present in this room as we talked today um, about this. And I know that it matters to you and you care about it. And I just feel like you're so present as well with our audience. Um, meeting people right where they're at with whatever they're struggling with whatever the questions are whether it's being attacked by the enemy about um, you know how we feel as women about our physical bodies um, or it's about um, just questions and confusion about LGBTQ issues and what do we do with that Lord or 
or seeking healing um, and freedom in the area of sexual trauma. Um, Father, we we acknowledge that you, you are everything, that you have the power and the ability to touch every single one of these places and spaces, and you do that. And we receive that tonight. We receive that from you. We just ask, Lord, that you would help us to press into you as we look for answers and help us to press in for you, into you as we look for freedom in all of these areas, because you want this to be a gift to us, not something that causes us pain and confusion and all the rest in between. And we trust it to you. We just invite you to do your work in us. We love you. We trust you. We lay all of this at your feet. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.